Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name is Michael Adams and today we're going back to Sunday the 26th of August 1904. That was the day that one of Australia's most curious cinematic personalities was born in Queensland. Her name, Lotus Thompson, and yes, that was her real name. She was the girl with the perfect legs, except the story's a bit more complicated than that. Despite being born in Queensland, Lotus spent her adolescence and teen years in eastern Sydney and went to school in Waverley. The first newspaper reference I've found to her was a passing mention in the women's page of Sydney's Freeman's Journal in December 1915 as an amateur performer in a performance to raise money for the war effort. Lotus was further mentioned a few times during the war and shortly after in connection with her music exam results and participation in charity fancy dress events. By the time she was 16, Lotus was a pretty blue-eyed blonde with a sort of slender figure prized in the flapper era. In May 1921, she was reported as having been discovered by pioneering film director W. Franklin Barrett, who'd cast her in a film called Know Thy Child. The Daily Telegraph reported she had, quote, acquitted herself remarkably well in all trials held so far before the merciless all-seeing eye. She is not yet 17 and possesses all the requisites of the successful artiste. The subject matter of Know Thy Child was pretty sensational. It was about a young cad having a relationship with a woman and leaving her behind. Years later, he's gone on to become a successful business chap, marrying a social reformer who advocates for single women abandoned to raise children alone. Through his wife's efforts, he employs one such offspring who, in a soap opera twist, turns out to be his own illegitimate daughter. If you're wondering if the film went there, the answer is yes, thankfully in the tame way of the day. Perth's Daily News described it thus, quote, the father, not suspecting the relationship between them, but struck by the beauty of his daughter, makes love to her. But this and other newspapers were at pains to report it was all done in the best possible taste and to an ultimate moral purpose. Perth's Australian newspaper reckoned, quote, It is so delicately handled that it cannot possibly offend members of either sex. Perth Daily News chimed, It is a delightful entertainment and one to which parents may have no hesitation in taking their children. We'll have to take their word for it because Know Thy Child, like all of Lotus's Australian films, is considered lost. Lotus got good reviews for this, her debut movie performance, but Australian production was sporadic, so while awaiting her next role, she appeared in a big Mother Goose pantomime in Sydney in late 1922. According to the city's Sunday Times newspaper, the highlight of this show was a parade of brides from the past, present and the future. Lotus was the standout of this highlight, quote, 
That which has caused the greatest comment is The Bride of 1950, a piquant costume which would create a sensation in Sydney if adopted by modern brides. Should it become the vogue, we envy the future generation. Was there a salacious angle here? We'll come back to that later. While this pantomime was still going, the Sunday Times published an article headlined Three Girls with Claims to Perfect Figures. This photo feature contrasted two American women who were in a legal battle over who should have really won a New York beauty contest. The Sunday Times printed their photos alongside one of Lotus, dressed like them in a one-piece bathing suit. The paper instructed readers, quote, Judge for yourself which girl has the most perfect figure from those we print today. In March 1923, Raymond Longford and Lottie Lyle, the pioneering filmmaking duo whose 1920 film on our selection we looked at in the 24th of July episode, were making their next movie, The Dinkum Bloke. It was to star Arthur Torture, the beloved bloke from The Sentimental Bloke, alongside the equally beloved Lottie. Lotus Thompson was to be third build. The plot had Arthur's the bloke promising his dying wife, played by Lottie, that he'd take care of their little daughter Nell. The film showed him making good on his promise in his own rough and tumble way with the adult Nell, played by Lotus. The story then had her getting engaged to a wealthy fellow into whose snobby set she had to introduce her old man, the Dinkum bloke. Production publicity for this film saw the newspapers take more of an interest in Lotus. The Sunday Times put her photo on the front page of its movie section in April 1923 under the headline, An Australian Screen Beauty. The Sun printed her photo the same month with the headline, Eyes That Mock the Violet, and the article claimed that she had the world's most beautiful peepers. They made movies quick back then, and by May 1923, the Dinkum bloke was wrapped. Lotus was then appearing by night in a chorus line at the Palace Theatre and by day making Beaumont Smith's comedy Townies and Hayseeds. Newspaper ads would bill her as the star attraction of this, which was the latest instalment in the popular Hick Flick franchise. Next up was another Hayseed comedy for Beaumont Smith, this one called The Prehistoric Hayseeds. Making this, Lotus and some of her fellow cast members had to get around in caveman clobber, that is, rabbit furs. As the Sun newspaper reported in October 1923, under the headline, Lotus in Bearskins, quote, She has learned to cope with animal skins as the main item of dress, to muffle her feet in fur instead of Louis heels. Early the next year, Lotus shot her third film for Beaumont Smith, this one called The Digger Earl, a comedy in which Arthur Torch's returned soldier trades places with a visiting earl. For one sequence, Lotus had to learn how to drive a car and then take it through inner city streets while actors and extras duped it out on and around the vehicle, a stunt that left Arthur Torture with a cut under his eye that required stitches. Before The Digger Earl was released, Lotus was, with her mother as her chaperone, off to Hollywood to seek fame and fortune in American movies. She sailed on the line of Ventura on the 5th of March 1924, by then famous enough for the Australian Gazette newsreel camera to catch her saying goodbye to her gaggle of gal pals. In reporting her departure, the Sun newspaper said her armaments are a few letters of introduction, a beautiful face and brains. 
We'll leave Lotus Thompson on that three-week voyage for a moment while we just review what the past five years had held for her. She'd done a bit of stage work in choruses, comedies and pantomimes and had starring roles in five feature films made by Australia's most respected director-producers. She'd been praised for her acting, her screen charm, her brains, her beautiful face and figure. What hadn't been mentioned specifically that I've been able to find were her legs. That's not to say they weren't, but it certainly wasn't a press focus. As I've noted, Lotus's Australian films are all lost, save for one reel of Digger Earl. But the National Film and Sound Archive does have more than a dozen stills from her productions that feature her. The prehistoric hayseeds shows Lotus's legs, but that's also true of all the other actors playing cave people, male, female and children. As for the other available film stills, Lotus is shown modestly attired, often in ankle-length dresses. Lotus Thompson arrived in San Francisco on the 25th of March, 1923. A photo of her smiling over her shoulder, wearing a fur stole and a calf-length dress, ran on the front page of the next day's San Francisco Examiner. The reporter interviewed her about her beauty secrets, and Lotus offered three rules. Quote, Do not smoke, it hardens the features. Don't drink, it dims the luster of the eyes. Eat anything that is good and wholesome, but don't eat too much. It will not only spoil your skin, but also overinflate an otherwise perfect 24. Roast beef keeps the bloom of youth in the face. Hollywood was booming in 1923. This was the era of Cecil B. DeMille, Charlie Chaplin, Lillian Gish, Buster Keaton, Mary Pickford, Rudolph Valentino, and the moguls building their studios. Hundreds of hopefuls were arriving from all over America every week with empty pockets and stars in their eyes. Lotus Thompson at least had some advantages over these native newbies. Coming from Australia made her exotic. She could actually act and she'd made five movies, with the Dinkum bloke even seeing an American release. With a bit of help from Australian star Enid Bennett, then big in Hollywood, Lotus got some screen tests. Lotus's beautiful face also saw her grace the cover of Moving Picture Stories in October 1923, despite having not yet made a picture in America. Two months later, Moving Picture World magazine announced that she'd been cast in a small role as Blonde Gold Digger in the Fox dramatic fantasy The Folly of Vanity. This was just a bit part, but it was also a start. And even then, Hollywood stars often toiled like this for years before getting their big breaks. Right then, for instance, Norma Shearer was becoming a huge star having spent nearly five years in thankless, often uncredited roles and being told she wasn't photogenic enough for anything better. Such attitudes were no doubt harsh, but Lotus's next big publicity break was kind of the opposite of Shearer's experience because it focused on her looks only. It came in the February issue of Screenland magazine, where she was one of a bevy of eight beautiful so-called baby stars being groomed by Hal Roach for his comedies. Screenland would describe her as Lotus Thompson is a curvy young thing from Australia. Lotus would say that her experience at Hal Roach Studios was one of the straws that broke the camel's back. The casting director, she said, hadn't been interested in anything but her legs. 
So, on Sunday the 1st of February, 1924, Lotus Thompson poured acid on her legs. Lotus Thompson was on the front page of the Los Angeles Times second section the following day. She was pictured reclining on her bed at home with her legs wrapped in bandages, staring beautifully but plaintively into the camera. The multi-deck headline summarised the basics of this sensational story. Quote, Australian film actress tries to ruin beauty. Girl drenches legs with acid. Film actress seeks to mar attractiveness, believes comely contours bar to drama. Australian beauty wants serious roles. The article said Lotus had burned herself from the hips down with a preparation she believed was nitric acid, quote, in the hope that directors and the public never again would want to look at her legs. She told the LA Times, quote, It's sickening. I wish I never had any legs. Drama is the ambition of my life. I play dramatic roles in Australia and I can play them here if they'll give me the chance, but they won't. They throw me into a bathing suit or a pair of tights. They say my figure is that of Venus. My legs are the shapeliest in films. I must show my legs. Bah, I'm so sick of it all. I couldn't stand it any longer, so I decided to mar them so no one would ever want to look at them anymore. Lotus said she'd bought the acid the night before, telling the drugstore worker she'd wanted it for warts. Quote, I have no warts. All I have, it seems, are legs. Ugh, they're terrible. I hope they're scarred beyond hope of recovery. The uglier they are, the better I'll like them. Lotus had gone home with the acid, locked herself in the bathroom, and, with her mother and a friend sitting in the living room unawares, poured out the vial over herself. She'd screamed in pain, they'd rushed in and found her in agony. Her mother called the police and two officers rushed her to a private hospital. Lotus regretted nothing. She told the LA Times, quote, I've fixed them now, they will never want to look at them again. The San Francisco Examiner ran Lotus's story on its front page the same day. Quote, Miss Thompson has been engaged in comedy parts at the Fox Film Company and has also been constantly selected to double for noted stars where beautiful legs are the requirement. Just yesterday, the article said, a producer had told her she'd be body doubling for a big star. Lotus told the San Francisco Examiner she'd begged, quote, won't you give me the chance to act the whole part? Told no, she asked, and supposing something should happen to my legs, something that would prevent you from using them alone in pictures, would you then take my face, my whole person? Would you give me an opportunity to show what I can do? To this, the producer apparently nodded, which kind of doesn't make any sense. The San Francisco Examiner's article reported that the doctors attending Lotus said her legs would be badly scarred, Yet, it also said in the same article that one of the doctors had said that special wartime treatments might actually heal Lotus without any scarring at all. The Los Angeles Times article had also noted, quote, Her attempt to disfigure herself, however, may not end as Lotus hoped, according to the physicians. Dr. Cameron expressed doubt that the vial she had used contained nitric acid, which Lotus had thought. He said its reaction was that of cantharides. 
This substance is better known as Spanish fly, a dangerous aphrodisiac which can also cause skin irritation, blistering and, in big doses, disfigurement. Lotus Thompson continued talking to the press, speaking to a writer whose big article was syndicated by International Features. In his piece, she gave a sobbing account of how she hadn't wanted the doctors to treat her legs and how humiliated she'd been to double for a famous actress she was too nice to name, but whose legs she described as, quote, more horrible than a massacre. To this writer, Lotus spoke wistfully of her Australian career and skills, subsequently wasted in Hollywood, quote, Ever since I was a tiny girl, I have played legitimate parts in straight plays back home in Australia. They were serious roles as a rule. I just loved them all. I imagined, and rightly, that I was getting valuable training and that someday, in the rosy future, I would be able to capitalise on this to my advantage. Then, of course, leg-obsessed Hollywood had driven her to her desperate action. Lotus's story made news all over America, and within 48 hours, the offers of work came in for this newly minted household name. Producer Sam Goldwyn offered her a part, as did Rudolph Valentino, both with reassurances the roles would be all about her face and talent rather than her pins. A relieved Lotus told United Press, quote, That's what I've been aspiring to since I came to America from Australia a year ago. I was tired of having my legs filmed by directors who couldn't even see my face. Lotus's Hollywood career was up and running. Later that year, she was third billed in a boxing drama called The New Champion. In 1926, she took the female lead in a dog action flick called Flashing Fangs and in a western called The Yellow Back. That Rudolph Valentino offer, though, if it ever really existed, didn't come off because he died in August that year. In 1927, Lotus had a supporting role in A One-Man Game, which was headlined by Fay Ray and the lead in Desert Dust, one of the many early westerns made by William Wyler, who was on his way to becoming one of Hollywood's most acclaimed directors responsible for the likes of Ben-Hur, Roman Holiday and Wuthering Heights. Lotus made another western, The Crimson Canyon, had a small role in social drama The Port of Lost Girls, and from then on, the parts got smaller, with her doing a bit in 1930s Madame Satan and making uncredited appearances in films through that decade and into the 1940s. Lotus Thompson married twice and saw out her years in obscurity in California before dying in May 1963. I first came across the basics of Lotus's story while I was researching Australia's Sweetheart, my biography of our early talkie star, Mary Maguire, who went to Hollywood in 1936. To write a couple of sentences about Lotus, I relied on the accounts of her career found in any number of well-regarded books about Australian film and the 1985 documentary, Don't Call Me Girly. So, I mentioned the acid story, and I called it a career and publicity move. Cynical, I know. But I didn't know the half of it. For this episode, I went through newspapers chronologically, and the next major story after the initial acid reports was a full-page feature that ran in the San Francisco Examiner on the 8th of March 1925, and was then published widely in other Hearst newspapers. Here's how it started. Quote, 
Lotus Thompson, the most beautiful girl in Australia, said the flaring billboards throughout Sydney, the most marvellous figure on the island, the most perfect legs in the world, this week at the J.C. Williamson Theatre. Don't miss the pantomime. The article said that Lotus had cried when she saw it because, quote, there, glaring before all passers-by, was a picture of herself made striking by a cleverly drawn poster of her bare legs. No reference was made to her as a talented actress. Lotus, the San Francisco examiner said, had wailed when she got home, saying to her mother, quote, I don't want them to look at my legs. The article, which can only have been based on what Lotus told them, said, In Know Thy Child, she was to be bare-limbed in all scenes. And that caused such a sexy sensation that she was cast in the Dinkum bloke. Then she was told, apparently by Raymond Longford, quote, Your legs will be bare in this picture. She put up with it because what choice did a girl have? Lotus summed up her experience for this San Francisco Examiner article, quote, Legs, legs, nothing but legs. I can act, but they only look at my legs. And that skirt she'd worn in the panto where she played the bride of 1950? The producers, she said, had made it fly up to show not only her legs, but her skimpy underwear. Lotus also claimed that in the prehistoric hayseeds, she'd been made to suffer an accidental on-purpose wardrobe malfunction that showed more of her than she'd bargained for. Having had enough, she went to Hollywood. The article then recounted in detail how Hollywood producers had only wanted her for her legs and how she'd done everything to try to avoid showing them. While there's no doubt that Hollywood's casting couch and beauty obsession was in full force then, this article completely contradicted what she'd just said recently about her Australian film experiences, and it's very much at odds with the available newspaper and film still records. Lotus Thompson's story had quickly gone from her having a quality career in Australia that was ruined by Hollywood's leg obsession to an entire career where it had only been her legs that anyone could see. Australian film magazine Everyone's Smelled a Rat. In its 1st of April 1924 issue, it reprinted a clipping from a Los Angeles newspaper that quoted Dr. Cameron who'd treated Lotus. He said... I shouldn't like to spoil a good thing, but whatever she may have used on her legs, it wasn't acid. There may be blisters, but it's doubtful. In my opinion, her legs should be camera-proof by Thursday at the latest. America's motion picture magazine raised the possibility of it being a publicity hoax, and as doctors had predicted a full recovery, the magazine cheekily suggested that Lotus might now have to use scissors on her legs and, quote, cut them clear off. Reporting on the work offers she'd received, Everyone's ran an 8th of April 1925 headline that read, The acid test succeeds and said, quote, We understand that Hollywood drugstores have entirely run out of corrosive fluids. As we've heard, Lotus was busy enough making movies for the rest of the 1920s. That said, they weren't big productions and they didn't stir much interest in her back in Australia. But Lotus was news again in 1933, at least in the 19th of August issue of Smith's Weekly. There, on the front page with a charming illustration of her face and another of her legs, was the headline, Story of a Stunt That Hoaxed World. 
Lotus told Smith's Weekly she was back in Australia for a while while she sorted out American visa problems. During her chat with the newspaper, she confessed that yes, the acid incident had been a stunt. She claimed it had been the idea of five PR men. It was proposed that she should bandage up her shapely legs, go to bed, then make an emotional outburst to the press, claiming that she had thrown nitric acid over her legs in an attempt to ruin them. The article continued, She was told that the subtle hint that the directors couldn't keep their eyes off her legs would provide a spicy and sensational story. That was kind of amusing because there was nothing subtle about the stories that followed. Nevertheless, the goal was wide publicity that would lead to her being overwhelmed with big film offers. But according to Smith, there'd also been a backlash because there were rumours there was something fishy going on and this put her in, quote, bad odour with most of the film studios. Lotus told the paper, quote, I wasn't much more than a kid at the time or I would never have entertained the proposition. I was getting along fairly well with the Fox people too, and I fell out with them over it. Yet, this explanation doesn't quite make sense either. If she was at that point on the inside track to a Fox contract, the PR men she would have been dealing with would have been the studio's minions. If it had been their idea to make her name with a stunt, then she wouldn't have been in trouble with them afterwards, and they would have signed her during the blaze of publicity. Instead, Lotus Thompson would end up working as a freelancer for various studios. Additionally, doctors did report that she'd done something to her legs rather than simply bandage them and start screaming, as she told Smith Weekly. What seems more likely, at least to me, is that Lotus, perhaps genuinely angry about her legs and looks getting more attention than her talent, and frustrated it had been nearly a year without a major role or a contract, cooked up the scheme herself in the hope it had grab headlines and make her a hit in Hollywood. As far as it went, it did make her name. Whether it helped or hindered her career is harder to say. Lotus Thompson's brief, modest success, followed by two decades of bit parts and eventual obscurity, was typical of hundreds of silent stars who didn't pour acid on themselves. Yet many, many more hopefuls didn't even get that far, so Lotus might have not had any career without the stunt. Viewed this way, she empowered herself. Conversely, if Lotus had stayed patient and played it straight, her talents might have won through, giving her lasting fame rather than a leggy legacy. Regular listeners know that I like to find these stories myself via archival and book research. For this episode, I followed my usual process, but I was also aware that Melbourne-based researcher and writer Nick Murphy had done an article on Lotus Thompson. I held off reading his work until after I'd finished mine. His article uses some of the same sources as this episode, but he also found one of Lotus's relatives who had something to say about the acid incident. And he also found out a lot about Lotus's later career, including snippets from her 1930s talkie appearances. So if you want another angle on Lotus, along with photos, some audio, and even that 1923 Australian newsreel clip, check out his site, ForgottenAustralianActresses.com And if you're after some more stories about Australia's forgotten film personalities, have a listen to two of my Forgotten Australia episodes. 
Australia's first supermodel is about the marvellous Margaret Viner, while Spencer, from movie mogul to murderer, is about one of our greatest film pioneers who ended up a fugitive killer. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.